Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Roku Report podcast in association with Forks Breweries. My name is Martin Wanless and today I'm delighted to be joined by a man who was a stalwart of the Sunderland squad I grew up watching at Roker Park. Between 1985 and 1991 he played 170 games for us at right back, left back, sweeper, centre half and probably a few more positions as well. And in his almost seven years at the club, we were relegated three times and promoted twice. You can never say it's dull being a Sunderland fan. So today I am delighted to welcome onto the podcast none other than Ruben Agbula. Ruben, welcome. All right, thanks, Martin. Thanks for the introduction. Didn't realise it was that many games. It was over quite a long period of time, but we'll delve into that a little bit as we go along. First of all, how are you um, and your family doing at the minute, Ruben? It's obviously a strange period of time. Yes, I'm never to be seen again, hopefully. But yeah, we're doing okay. We're enjoying the sunshine today. And in fact, it's been quite nice the last six weeks <laughs> on and off. But, um probably the best summer we've had in England for quite a while. <laughs> There's some positives. Yeah. And um, pre-COVID stuff, what are, you, what are you up to these days? I work, uh, the last 15 years I've been in the garage. Um, prior to that, I had a pub for 10 years, which I sort of went into whilst I was at Sunderland. Yeah. breweries were more than willing to throw any courses in my direction, <laughs> um, which was great for me. No cost, etc. So um, I've done some cellar management and um, hotel catering and stuff like that whilst I was at Sunderland. So it was um, kind of a natural progression for me to go into that licensed trade once I finished. Excellent. No, it's good. We'll start off and take a little a little walk down memory lane and get stuck into your football career. Shouldn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen my list of questions yet. <laughs> so you started off at Southampton. So how did you end up at Southampton? Well, I was... Born in London, well, she went to school in London, played my football in London. But um, there came a point in my youth career that a, f- a sort of friend of a friend of mine said, oh, well, I can get you a trial with Southampton in their London selection centre. So um, he took me along for two, three weeks whilst they decided on whether to, to keep me on or, or move me on. And um, fortunately, they kept me on. So it kind of... I think I was about 12 or 13 at the time. Obviously, stayed in London still and just popped down to Southampton every every school holiday. Um, we had a little team in London that used to play in the Surrey County League on a Sunday morning. And um, we sort of tended to win most things. Um, we had lots of Danny Wallace and George Lawrence who were playing in the same youth team as me in London. But obviously, I was a bit older than them. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, Interesting few years, really, and then <laughs> there comes a point where they have to decide on whether to sign as a schoolboy or not. Unfortunately for me, I was accepted, and um, and then the hard work begins. <laughs> well, you obviously must have put a lot of hard work in because you, I think you made your debut for Southampton at Old Trafford alongside um, Danny Wallace, who, who you mentioned there. Is that, That's is that right. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 1980, I think it was. Yeah, it's not a bad place to make your debut, is it? Well, no, no. I, I, only really played a handful of reserve games up to that point. So the crowd, I think there's 48,000, if I remember right. Yeah. 48,000 crowds. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a um, make or break. I mean, the manager, this is a true story, by the way, in the change room before the game, we didn't know we were playing until um, 
be got back in from walking around the pitch. Oh, really? <laughs> normally, normally we expected to have to put the kit out, and on this occasion we were told to all go outside and and savour the atmosphere, and they put the kit out. So that was probably, in hindsight, that was a probably should have thought more into it. <laughs> so we came back in and and still didn't know, and we all sat round waiting for the um, team talk, and sure enough, Laurie starts off his team talk, and then. I heard my name mentioned in the team talk. I'm thinking, what? And then I heard Danny's name mentioned, and then me and Danny are looking at each other like, did you just hear what I heard? <laughs> and then many of me said, yeah, you're both playing. And he said, right, everybody, so just go out and treat it like a practice match. <laughs> and you're not away. Yeah. Doesn't have to get beat 10 there. I'll just blame the two nippers. Yes, just go out. Just go out and enjoy yourself. So I think, we, yeah, we did draw drew one all, I think. They equalised in the 80s. Six minute, I think. Yeah. And Nick Holmes scored a blinder, <laughs> thirty yard top corner like he used to. He didn't score rubbish goals; he only scored yeah. good goals. <laughs> Nick Holmes, but yeah, I remember the occasion well. Not much time to get nervous, eh? Well, no, no. It was. I always can remember after the game that my ears were still ringing. <laughs> this is the crowd noise because I've never been in front of that many people before, and just trying to shout at somebody ten, fifteen yards away. Was, you couldn't make yourself heard. You were screaming yeah. at the top of your voice and they couldn't hear you. It was really sort of quite a bit enjoyable, very enjoyable. And it kind of went, came and went and was gone. Yeah. <laughs> Before you knew it. But yeah, it was a good result, good good occasion. And in, in that Southampton team, sort of around the time that you were coming through and getting into the into the squad, there was a, an awful lot of good players, wasn't there? You know, there was Peter Shilton was around during your time, Keegan, Mick Shannon, Frank Worthington. Alan Ball, it must have been a dream come true for a young player to come come through into a squad with names like that. Yeah, well, in all fairness, at the time, you don't really notice it. You're just um, you're at the club anyway, and you know they've got some good players there. But where you're kind of, as a kid, as an apprentice, you kind of feel like you're miles away from first team. Yeah. I mean, we only used to play the old practice game against the first team uh, once in the Blue Moon. So they all trained with them. You just trained on their own and did their own thing. So um, like you say, when you actually get in the team, funny enough, my childhood idol was Charlie George. Yeah. Because I was born in Highbury and um, I actually shared the room with him on that weekend. <laughs> I made a debut and he played, obviously played in the game. And, and I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing sharing the room with Charlie George? <laughs> it was just like unbelievable. Because I can remember watching him as a like a seven, eight-year-old on the Terraces of Highbury, but like you say, yeah, there was. I think there was one occasion. There was five England captains playing the yeah, same right. team. Um, Mick Mills was another legend. Um, Mark Wright obviously went on bigger and better things from Southampton, but um, Captain England, Mark Dennis, Davy Armstrong. Um, they had Welsh internationals, <laughs> Alan <laughs> Curtis, um, Stevie Williams, another international. Keegan, it, yeah, Keegan Moran, on and on. Impressive names and. You broke into that team and you, you played quite a number of games for Southampton over the course of a few seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, the start off, it was only got brought in to play in the away matches because there are two, um, Chris Nicholl and Dave Watson. I forgot about Dave Watson, actually. He's yeah, another, yeah. another uh, Northern Ireland international and an England international. <laughs> they were both in the back, but they didn't, uh, they couldn't run for a bus between them. So, um, <laughs> so needed a bit of protecting. So I used to play behind in the away matches. And then gradually they thought, well, actually, you can play at home because Alan Ball was playing, another England international captain. And these legs were going, so um, they played me in front of in front of the back four and went into a back five away. And um, it's gradually picked up and picked up over a couple of seasons. And then it was on a regular basis, just playing as a back five. Didn't matter home or away, we still um, played the same way. So, <laughs> yeah, it took a while getting there, but... But like you say, there was some there was some exceptional players around, yeah. Certainly was, and in in charge of them all, of course, was was Laurie McMenemy, who is is still very highly regarded in Southampton and thought of somewhat differently at Sunderland. So, what was he? Yeah. What was Laurie McMenemy like to play for at Southampton? Um, well, we didn't really see a lot of Laurie. In all fairness, he didn't sort of take any coaching or anything. He just popped in on a Friday. <laughs> watched the five side in the gym and, um, <laughs> and that was that really that's the only yeah. time we normally saw him but we had coaches there and I mean he was 
clever in the way he, he put the team together. Some some by luck and some by judgment, but a lot of the stuff was done by the players on the pitch. I, mean, I can remember playing at Highbury when we were 2-0 down with about 15 minutes to go. And Alan Ball saying to me, you want to go into a back four? And I said, yeah, I don't care, yeah. And he said, we might as well lose 4-0 or 2-0. Yeah. I'm going to push righty up front. <laughs> he pushed Mike right up front and went to a flat back four. Ended up drawing to all. But at the time, many on the sideline screaming at righty, get back. <laughs> get back what are you doing it's sort of after the game of course he's um, taking all the applause the applause for um, a tactical um, tactical genius tactical genius yeah but a lot of it like I said a lot of it was um, was the players on the pitch made decisions as you said there there's, there was a lot of captains and international captains and people like you know Keegan and Chris Nickel who went on to to manage in, in the top flight so there was obviously a, a lot of um, sort of good footballing nous on the field. Oh yeah, there's some serious characters, some serious brains out there. <laughs> Not just sort of brawl. There was some. Well, it obviously worked well on the field. You, know, you, you finished second in the league at some point and played in the FA Cup final, and you know, the, the team was progressing well. I found some newspaper clippings where, where you were being talked of as a, a future England defender. So you know, the, the team was obviously going pretty well, and, and so were you. Yeah, it was kind of um, I don't know just. Just kept going out and playing, really. That was it. And, <laughs> and we were got to the point where, when you have, I think, if you get playing a team that is sort of successful in any degree, you kind of, I mean, look at the Leicesters and whatever. You kind That's of right. get to the point where you're just playing, picking the same team every week. Obviously, suspensions and injuries come into it, but it's only. I mean, back then there was only one sub, so yeah, it wasn't like you had five or six on the bench. No, that one sub was usually kept in case there was an injury as well. It wasn't a, a tactical change. Yeah, I mean, it's normally, I mean, if you look at my career stats, I think I was sub about five times, I think, or maybe a bit more. <laughs> but um, I mean, I know as a, as a lad that down here that we could call super sub. Yeah. Like called David Puckett, and a lot of his his appearances were from that we got on or not from the subs bench, like sort of ninety percent of them, which not taking anything away from him, but um, it's um, not actually playing the game. It's just sort of being in the squad as such which doesn't count nowadays you don't get an appearance if you're on the bench but hey ho <laughs> but yeah good, very good days and um, lucky to have very good memories of Southampton most of the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you'd spent you know a good 10 years of your life there hadn't you by the time you oh yeah by the time I left yeah from a young teenager mm. yeah to a young adult yeah I'm still here now, so I did like the place, uh, as I liked the North East, to be fair, but you probably got a question from me about that. <laughs> After around 100 games for Southampton and age 22, you found yourself out of favour at the Dell, and you're on, I think you're on the transfer list, so how did you move to Sunderland come about, and do you have other clubs who were interested in you, and what was that that process like? Well, although he wasn't really a big, um, big on giving you information to do with transfers. No. I didn't know if anybody. Was, I didn't even think I was on the train. I did. I was negotiating a new contract. I thought, <laughs> so um, I wasn't in, interested in leaving particularly. But then, Laurie sort of being Laurie used to um, not just to me, but for a number of other players, he he pick out the the club that suited him best, and then sort of force your hand type of thing. So um, yeah. although I did know Frank Burrows, who was assistant to Len Ashurst and from my youth team days at Southampton and um, I was I quite liked him as a well, I did like him as a as a person as well as a I mean he was a tough old um, taskmaster but <laughs> but I respected him so um, when he came knocking I had to give it a lot of uh, thought I think I remember my last game for Southampton was playing in the youth team <laughs> yeah in a game at Brockenhurst, I think it might have been. So that's the sort of thing that happened back then when you didn't were out of favour. Yeah. So the, the move to Sunderland happened fairly quickly, did it? Yeah, I think so. I think it was around January time, just after Christmas. Yeah. Did you know much about Sunderland before you signed? No, i have been up there a few times to play matches, but we always used to go up in the dark and come back in the dark. So I didn't really <laughs> see none of the town. I mean, I didn't even know it was right by the sea until the day after I signed. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out of the old hotel window, bloody hell, it's got waves crashing against the. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange. Um, I mean, we used to fly up most of the time, or 
I think it's only I think it only came up once in the match. Um, but yeah, I think we flew up and flew back. So um, yeah. sport really. As soon as you have to drive it, you think, Jesus. <laughs> and was was moving north something that you you had to think too much about, or did you just do it because that was the option that was available to you? Well, that was the option that was given to me. I thought, do I just sort of languish in the reserves or youth team down here, or do I um, go to Sunderland and a get money because wages were rubbish at Southampton, in all <laughs> fairness, so I can stay down there on. Hundred pound a week, or I can get more money up there. And I thought, well, and more or less of guaranteed first team football. So it wasn't a difficult decision. Although the distance was a, a thing, but um, back in those days, you only had an atlas, didn't you, to, to look at that's right. maps? Why you didn't really have um, on your phone to go? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I thought it would have been. I thought it was easy to make a move over a field. So that's that was the reason why. Um, I moved up north. Len Ashurst, who, who you mentioned, he obviously was the, the manager. What were your initial impressions when you, you got to the club and started getting involved in training and stuff like that? Um, well, like you say, you've been at a, a club, or not necessarily training-wise, but last sort of five years you've been used to doing different things and then you go to a different setup and you know, different training methods and it takes a little while to settle into them ways of life. And I thought... I could drink with the best of them until <laughs> I um, joined Sunderland and went out with the lads in an afternoon. I was thinking, blimey, <laughs> what have I let myself in for? But, um, no, it was um, yeah, it's all just, uh, like you say, I've, that's all I knew was Sunderland from yeah. day one. So. so there was some good drinkers in that Sunderland squad that you joined up with? Yeah, I mean, there were some good drinkers in the Sunderland squad, but um, <laughs> yeah, these, this is the next level. <laughs> Next level at Sunderland, um, but yeah, it was it was a little bit. Yeah, in some respects, it was it was didn't feel too daunting for me to yeah. to join Sunderland coming from the the Southampton team. So everybody was all sort of, of a similar kind of ilk. Whereas Southampton, it was like star-studded. Like you say, it was. Um, I would have hated to join Southampton <laughs> with all the other. If you came into a team like that and you like thinking, me got all them. International then, so and there there can't be too many players who've who've signed once for a club but actually made the, their debut twice for Sunderland. But you you actually did make your debut twice, didn't you? Because your first game was abandoned. Liverpool at home, yeah, one nil up half time, yeah, remember it well. Remember the remember the referee yeah, police escort <laughs> out of the ground after the game. Yeah, it was um, it was a good match really. To be fair, it was it was slippy, but wasn't really getting any worse. No, that's right. But then, you know, like you say, yeah, next game was away at Southampton. Quirks of football fate, isn't it? Where your first official debut is, um, yeah, it's back at the Dell. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a decent reception from memory. Well, they still sort of um, appreciate me down here, um, as they do up in London. And I, I sort of tried not to beat... If the ball was there to be won, I won it, but I wasn't going <laughs> to. I wasn't going to get myself sent off. <laughs> I had no no grudges of any players to to take out. So um, yeah, it was a nice clean game. You, you didn't walk into the wrong dressing room or anything, did you? I have done in the past, but um, not on <laughs> that occasion. No, I did that at Knox Forest one time when we played them in the cup. They had a clash of heads just before half time. I think they scored and um, walked in after the game, sat down. Um, arms on elbows on knees and in the head and I heard Brian Cuff say so you want to play for my team do you young man <laughs> <laughs> I looked up and was like oh shit <laughs> and that's just sort of run way back down the corridor and yeah get the old smelling salts out clear my head I think we won I think we, I think we won I think we won 2-1 but yeah I think sometimes you, if you bumped into Brian Clough, you might not have needed the smelling salts. <laughs> they did say that, actually, yeah. Charismatic sort of person. Certainly was. That season when you, you first joined Sunderland, obviously, the um, you, I think you were cup-tied, weren't you? So you, you missed out on the, the yeah. cup run. But that that must have been a, a good thing to be part of, you know, maybe to acted as, as a bit of a distraction from, from the league form. Well, yeah, I mean, it was... I think what didn't happen was I broke my ribs and I think we played Arsenal at home. Yeah. And um, 
Clyde with our keeper managed to play on and then um, come in Sunday morning after having a sleepless night and uh, the physio looked at it and he said oh, I was only bruised you'd be okay and I thought <laughs> I'm not okay <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get off the bed if you was broken and that sort of thing and then I come in Monday and still trying to patch me up and I said I can't even jog I can't like just about drive it wasn't until the Friday that I went for x-rays and two broken ribs and the man just said to me only two <laughs> <laughs> I remember Len Asher saying only two and Frank Burrow said back in my day we would have carried we would have played with them <laughs> but I did for I did for 60 minutes but yeah so yeah, for five weeks so most of that cup the final bits of the cup run I would have I wouldn't have been able to play in anyway so it was a bit of a yeah and then I was then you sort of trying to get back to fitness and and obviously after the cup final defeat we concentrate on the league and um, I think I got injured and then and I was sort of fit and then they gave me an injection to play and I wasn't fit enough and and lasted about half 45 minutes and that was that the season over yeah I mean, you managed eight games that season before the injuries kind of got got hold of you, and the, mm. the the team obviously suffered without you, didn't it? Because we ended up getting relegated. Yeah, it's um, it's never nice just to be sat there, not being able to contribute. Um, I know at Roker Park, there's been um, I think the following season there was times when when nobody wanted the ball, but I was always the I never shied away from having the ball. Um, I think the fans appreciated. The efforts, but there was occasions where you just people didn't even want to take goal keepers didn't want to take goal kicks and yeah because they're worried about the crowd and it's um looking back now it was quite a daunting sort of um daunting thing when you, you go out and you're and your home fans and you're not really feeling that they're on your side well they are because they just want to see you give 200 percent well, that's that's right, isn't it? I think I think the second season I was there, there was lots of players who didn't weren't really um up for it. Well, that that second season, obviously, that started with Laurie McMenemy, yeah, fo- following you up the up the year one and and coming to to Sunderland. So, what how did you feel about Laurie kind of coming Devastated. in? Devastated. 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 The choice apparently of um, two choices: Arsenal because George Graham had been sacked, or um, Sunderland, the two. And I thought, he'd be saying, no, he won't go to Sunderland, he'd go to Arsenal. <laughs> and I thought, no, he won't. He's, no, he's Tom Cowie well. And, uh, I thought, yeah, he'd be, he'd be coming up here, and sure enough, yeah, he, up he came. And yeah, the rest is um, history, well, well documented, I think. Yeah, so you, you weren't a fan of uh, of that news? Not at all, no. But I was, I was quite interested to see... Um, how he did, in all fairness, in all honesty, yeah, I thought, well, let's see if he can actually um, pull a rabbit out of the hat with this one. And um, it would have been nice if he had, but mm. I probably didn't I probably didn't play many games that second season either, did I? Probably, um, no, I think you played 12 that season and, and 11 the season after. You, you didn't you didn't play too much under him. Nah. But were, the, were the other players kind of ask, asking you, what the crack is with him and what he was like and what they could expect when he was yeah yeah it was I mean he, he tried to do this like the same thing didn't he? he he brought in the the old experienced players to to do the, the job for him there wasn't any former England captains or was there nah <laughs> nah it's different different sort of um, different level really the second time and um, I can remember one time in when I was we had a practice game against the first team I wasn't allowed to play in it <laughs> um, so I just had to run jog around the pitch and why was that just because you're out of favour well I think he was embarrassed if I was playing well and not being in the team and why ain't he playing why ain't he yeah. playing him I mean a lot of the press couldn't believe it a lot of press so I knew up there and I remember coming in playing the game being the man of the match and then next game back out yeah yeah. so he's running I'm running around the, jogging around the pitch and I hear some footsteps behind me some big ones <laughs> and so <laughs> Laurie trying to catch me up so um he didn't break sweat very often yeah so i made him sweat a little bit so <laughs> then i said no you're trying to catch me up and he said yeah um where do you think i'm going wrong with the team <laughs> i can't believe you're asking asking me <laughs> i said i said i don't get paid three grand a week to work it out you do 
carried on running. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he was getting a week. I don't know. But, um, yeah, what, I thought, what, well, far off? cheeky. Yeah, I thought, cheeky bastards. <laughs> want me to help you. Hey, you? You were probably the, the one link he had to when he was having some success at Southampton. And um, he was probably floundering a bit, wasn't he? Well, I can remember at Southampton, in all fairness, where we had um, a couple of occasions where things happened. One was, um, I think it was Frank Worthington got given away free transfer. Maybe you could understand it. We were playing uh, the away in a match somewhere and, and next morning Frank was gone. And um, then that's the last time we see him. And um, the lawyer said, we had a meeting and he said to us that if you're a younger player and you cross me, I'll make sure you don't get anywhere in, in football. And if you're an older player, you cross me off, finish you. Yeah. And obviously, Frank had done something. Oh, I heard he was set up, but I don't know. <laughs> Frank had done something, and um, and that was it, gone. But um, there's quite a few players that I know of who talk about Laurie and his um, transfer dealings and stuff like that, where he's um, was back in the old brown paper bag here, wasn't he? Oh, sorry. <laughs> he was. I'm pretty sure, because I'm... Remember when I signed for Sunderland, they wouldn't tell me what the fee was. I said, the I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Yeah, and look, some some papers said 150, some said 120, some this. To this day, I don't know how much I was supposed to have gone for, but um, <laughs> I don't expect Southampton actually knew what I'd gone for either. No, that's probably not. <laughs> probably 90. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sunderland, obviously, as you say, McMenemy tried to do what he he had done in Southampton, didn't he? he? Signed signed people like Frank Gray and Alan Kennedy and George Burley and Eric Eric, Eric Gates. Gates and, and, yeah. a, a few of them could play fullback as well, couldn't they? So yeah, there was obviously a bit of competition for for places there. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Frankie Gray, like you say, all legends. Um, Burley was a great great fullback international. Same with Frankie Gray, Scottish international. Yeah, yeah. And then Alan Kennedy obviously came along. I think Frank then went into midfield. But um, to know, just as as a fan, like you say, you you were watching these games. It just didn't look. I watched most of them with you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, what do you think went so wrong for McManamy in that in that spell? <sighs> Difficult to put your finger on it, really. Um, I just think his luck ran out. Yeah. You have these sort of spells, don't you, where I think everything you do works and then nothing you do works and sometimes it's hard to really figure out exactly what it was. Like you say, he was the messiah, wasn't he? That was the... Alleged. Alleged, yeah, that was the headlines. I remember when he... And then I can remember going down with Laurie the Clown. That's another <laughs> one. <laughs> you probably remember that one. That's right. <laughs> I think I bought a T-shirt with that one, actually. I think I still, might still have it. Well... Obviously, it, it's not a it's not a good couple of seasons, is it? And we um, nah, no, nah, it wasn't good terrible. for the fans, wasn't good for the players, wasn't good for nobody. Nah. Yeah, just, just forgotten really. And actually, I, I remember um, at the end of the I think the second season when Laurie gone and Bob Stoko came in That's right. for the last couple of games. That was um, only because Bob Stoko was obviously a bit of a legend from his previous time at Sunderland. But he wasn't really up. He wasn't really up to the the task. It was a bit of yeah, I felt felt for him. I, I think it was probably one of those things to try to get get everybody galvanised and get the fans on side and get. Yeah, it certainly did that. But um, yeah, I mean, he couldn't remember these names. So it was it was quite sort of. Um, but yeah, no disrespect to him at all. But yeah, I think he was a little bit past his prime by then. Like you say he did. It did kind of. I think we had. Picked up a little bit, but um, yeah, it's a yeah slippery slope. Had had a few, a couple of wins in there, but yeah, there was there was some big games that we we just couldn't get over the line and conceded some silly goals, and obviously ended up going down through the playoffs. But then yeah, Dan Smith arrives and he really seemed to kind of kickstart a different era at the club. People, I got asked a few weeks ago a question about best manager, and I'd, I'd put Dennis Smith down in that. As that man, um, I did have my ups and downs with him, but um, I think as a as a man manager, he was um, second to none, and I think he he um, 
kept uh, what he could of the previous squad and brought a few youngsters up into the um into the fray. The Gary Owls and the Armstrongs. Armstrong was already playing a bit. Yeah. But I remember um our first away game the first game of the season, Brentford away, I think, the third division campaign. That's right. And um we were all in the hotel having dinner and it's like a morgue and there was we all sat round. Nobody's really we had, we had a good pre season, I think, if I remember rightly. But um everybody's all I suppose nervous to a degree, but like you say, there was Frankie Gray, Eric Gates, there's some big names in there. But um everybody seemed a bit on edge and Dennis Smith came in the room and he said, Oh yeah, that's he died <laughs> <laughs> We're like looking around nobody he's like um it's like a morgue. He said he said, well, doesn't anybody want a beer? He said, I always had to have a beer before I played. Right before, he said, I couldn't sleep. And then he, he sort of said, yeah, I'll have a couple of beers, no pints, he said, but have a couple of laughs and, and I don't want to see anybody in the bar after 10 o'clock. Because I'll be, he said, I'll be in there. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody else in there. And um, that was it. He sort of, all of a sudden, he'd been treated like an adult, which yeah. didn't happen under, under Laurie. And um, everybody sort of thought, oh, actually, yeah, this, this bug ain't too bad. <laughs> Obviously, did the trick, didn't he? He throughout the season, he used to because I was the, the PFA guy. He used to say to me, "Get book a venue on all the lads and book the whole restaurant, like an Indian or a Chinese or Italian." Yeah. And everybody from the chairman down to the apprentices and the coaching staff, they closed the restaurant to stayed us in there lunchtime. So he did a train in the morning, and everybody, the whole club that he went for a meal, obviously chairman paid for it, and um, and he said. Come the evening, and the lads of um, the chairman gives the lads taxi money so nobody's driving and that sort of thing. <laughs> After a few beers, he said he used to get more information, feedback from the lads because you have a team meeting and everybody sits there and, and you ask a question, nobody, yeah. nobody wants to stand up and slag somebody off. <laughs> but after about eight pints <laughs> in, in Annabelle's or whatever it is, <laughs> people are a little bit more forthcoming. Yeah, not that not he needed to find out things because the team was doing well. Yeah. But he still went out and these things and um, he was able to, if he didn't really know what was going on with some players, he just needed to find out. What, and um, yeah, and it was like a, not every month, but, um, but he used to, at one point, we were doing a bit of Brian Clough's sort of um, regime where because we were playing and winning, playing and winning, we used to have like a Monday off, so you can't. You're gonna. You don't, you don't need to train because your yeah. fitness levels are there. Um, you don't want to burn yourself out, so we just used to sort of lay off the throttle a bit and training and just concentrate on the matches. And it was good. It worked. It obviously did work, didn't it? Because well, I think we got off to a little bit of a little bit of a slow start. We had a, a couple of wins and a couple of draws and a, a couple of defeats, but we we kind of picked up a. A bit of momentum, and obviously Marco came in from yeah. from York and bagged a few goals. And I think that was the um, well, one of the, the catalysts, really. I think for that season it was old Gabbers um, came came hit the ground running, and um, yeah, I mean he could he he wouldn't he couldn't score like a tapping, could he? <laughs> Not very often. He missed, he, he missed my foot, but he gave the ball on the halfway line on his own half and he beat six players and <laughs> ran the keeper twice and put it in the back yeah. of the net. Um, yeah, it's good lads, Gabbers. But um, we, had, we, had, we, had the team, we had the team thing going then. That's when it all started, the, the camaraderie got together and um, yeah, just all was a team. That's, I think that was a big thing. Like I said before, we didn't have that the last two seasons. But I think that, that shows as well, like, like you, you were saying earlier that you know this, the season before at Walker Park, it was a a difficult place for for people to play, and that season in the third mm. division when we were going up, and you, it was as you say the the team was all together and had good camaraderie, and the atmosphere at Rocker Park that season was was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, so you 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 were there. It's um, I can remember the last game of the season against Northampton, where there was people sat around the sides of the pitch. There's so many people there, and it's you'd already won the title. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was like forty. I think it was forty nine thousand. I think that unofficially it could have been. I think e- even officially that Northampton game was the the highest yeah. attendance in in the northeast and in Newcastle were in in the top flight. That's right. I remember because I had a 
bonus over five over over fifty thousand <laughs> appearance. It's like if you count there's over fifty, and I couldn't believe it. I thought you couldn't even. There's people sitting around the side of the pitch with <laughs> so many people <laughs> on the ground, and there's forty nine thousand nine hundred and something. I like, yeah, I had to laugh at that one. Well, you you obviously played a lot of football that season as well, didn't you? So that must have been good for for you personally as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've I've come up every now and again to the North East and I go out as I've always done, go out in the locals and whatever. And um, I can remember having a being in a pub and everybody's patting me on the back. And this one guy had the right hump with me and he said, "Agbule," he said, "You were in the worst Sunderland team ever." He said, "I know. I think you were crap and blah blah." I said, "Well, yeah, I wasn't the worst Sunderland team ever." <laughs> But um, yeah, and you took us down to three divisions, and I said, yeah, you could say I wasn't. I said, but I was the, the same person that came brought you back up two That's divisions. Right. So, don't, so I might have been the worst team, but at least I stayed and got you back back to where you wanted to be. Yeah, it's, it's probably not the worst team now, anyway. So you, you know, if, if it's nah. if somebody says if somebody says <laughs> that now, you could have a, a different answer, couldn't you? Next, obviously, we we get promoted, and then we have a, a couple of seasons in. In the second division, and, and again, you you play in the pretty much in the team every week, and we have a, a good couple of seasons there, don't we? Yeah, no, it was. Um, well, I, I did. I could have left at some points during. There was people like unofficially sort of wanting me to um, to move on, but yeah, I was enjoying. I was enjoying the fact that done the sort of turnaround. Yeah, it went down to divisions, but come back up to and and as you know when things are going well it's no better place to be no that's right than the, um so it was it was hard even thinking of moving away till we got back in the at least back to the first division so um and even then why would you want to go <laughs> <laughs> and was, was that clubs coming in for you or was that yeah it was a i had a few um phone calls from different people off the, yeah. off the sort of not not officially Asking, just sounding you out. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I have a couple of interesting conversations with people. <laughs> um, back then, wasn't sort of agents and that involved. Well, there was yeah. some kicking around, but you know, it's just it's all a little bit different now, obviously. And that team had a, quite a good good mix of sort of experienced players and, and younger players. The one that eventually sort of went up. We obviously had, we had Marco and Eric Gates still still up front and. Likes of Kieran mm. Brady and Pasco and Pasco, yeah, Gary Hours and um, yeah, he was um, phenomenal back then. He was. And, uh, he could run, run, run and run and run. Gary, yeah, and Gordon Armstrong, midfield, yeah. And it was a nice sort of mixture of youth and experience. Then Billy Whitehurst, remember Billy? He, oh, he was a bit before them, wasn't he? He was only there for a short spell, but he certainly made a made a bit of an impact. <laughs> He did actually. Um, I don't know if anybody told you this story, but um, we were training at the training ground, and I think he was playing for Reading, and they were staying up the northeast, playing a few matches pre-season. And um, I knew Billy from Newcastle days, and going through the Newcastle and having a drink with the Newcastle lads, and um, I was in the shower after training. I I didn't even realise Reading were training up there, and so I go in the shower, and Billy's in the shower, and I'm like, I I can see him from behind. like black and blue, he's bruises off his legs, and, <laughs> on his back, and I mean, Billy's he's a, built like a brick shit house. He, yeah. he couldn't miss mistake him. I said, Billy's that you? You had pre-season friendly already. <laughs> yeah, he got some bouncer jumped him. He said, down him some carving Sunderland, and you know, he had two black eyes and scratches <laughs> and all over and. And um, then I go back in the our changing room, and um, Dennis Smith's in there, and he's, he said, "See him in there, absolute disgrace." He said, "Disgrace to professional football pre-season." Britain, look at the state of him. And we signed him next day. It's <laughs> 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 like, hey, he <laughs> was he was a, the sort of player you, you wanted on your team. I mean, he did he did work his his nuts off out on the pitch and for all these um, off the field shenanigans once he got over that white line you know he's the sort of player you want on the team sheet he chased lost causes I don't know how he did it to be fair <laughs> but, um, yeah go with Angels fear to tread he was always a player who I, I was really disappointed to to see leave because as a fan 
watching him play, as you say, he's somebody who you want on your side and he's closing people down and getting stuck in. Well, you can't have a bad game, can you? If if you're doing all all the things that the fans want, okay, you might miss a couple of chances, but they forgive you for that because they can see that you're actually putting the shift in. That's it. It's when you stood your hands on your hips and, and, and everybody, it's everybody else's fault. The ball's not to your feet and, and you sort of just, just gestures of, oh, like it's your fault because you, yeah, and it just, I think that's, I think that you don't, you, you don't have that when you've got a team spirit. People chase lost causes and um, make good balls, bad balls. I remember one of my abiding memories of Billy Whitehurst is, um, a game that we played at home against Leeds on a on a Tuesday night. I think we ended up winning two one, but I, I just recall Billy Whitehurst almost coming in horizontally to fly through the air to score a diving header in the Fulwell end to put us put us two one up, and that was the sort of <laughs> that was the sort of thing you you like to see. It's just you know, like I said, it's it's making a, a bad ball into a good ball. Um, so you don't want to let your teammates down. Just doing a little bit more than just your job yeah. everybody's got like a position and sometimes players hide in their position like well I'm, I've got my man yeah. but hang on a minute there's a player spare there so what's the point you stood with your man and he scores but some <laughs> players can be like that and just say well I've got my man Yeah. and um, other my, players will, my will, will run across yeah, run across and, uh, and it might end up that their man and he scores and then you can't blame them you can't sort of moan at them because they've done the right thing yeah. but just standing there and doing nothing is is criminal and unfortunately it happens quite a bit in football but um, when you've got a good team spirit everybody does a little bit extra you do it for somebody else and they do it for they do it for you but to Billy it was, um, it was it was sort of endemic of the, the team set up at the time well it was and even though he, he'd left that following season we, we obviously um, went that, that step extra didn't we that step further and we we finished in the playoffs and it's um yeah. Quite, quite, quite concerningly for both of us. It's thirty years ago, um, this this yeah, month that, that we yeah. <laughs> we played those those two playoff games against Newcastle. What are your what are your memories of those two games? Because obviously they were the big games that live live long in in people's memories, don't they? Well, yeah. I mean, I got asked the question, um, most memorable match, and it's got to be the Newcastle away game, which is the whole occasion. I think There's the whole build up that we, we were. Sixth, they were third, and and it just oh no, got Newcastle home and away, and we, we hadn't really got any change out of each other throughout the season. I think we both kind of I think we, did we draw both the games or yeah, both both the league games were draws, and then yeah, yeah. And then we drew at home, obviously missed penalty and whatever. It's crazy. I, don't, I even think even think about that now. I mean, Paul wasn't really a, a tackler to get sent off. It's not. It's kind of um, I can't. I, yeah. I think it was more it was more frustration than yeah. Anything else, well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's just out of his not his nature to to be like that at all. So yeah, I think it was. You're right. It was the away game, wasn't it? That's the, the probably the, the most memorable one. Well, yeah, I can remember the first pitch invasion <laughs> and the fans all running past the Sunderland players <laughs> and giving the Newcastle players a lot of grief. <laughs> <laughs> when they call running towards you think oh here we go sort of, do I sort of defend myself what am I supposed to do here yeah. and then when they sort of not interested in you <laughs> just interested <laughs> in their own players then you sort of relax a bit then and um, was it the second time third second time I think it was George Courtney the yes. referee I remember him saying to me he's definitely going to finish it this time <laughs> <laughs> So I think I was quite close to that. I think I was, yeah, you know, I was left back, and I was quite close to the to the tunnel. You're on the right side. <laughs> yeah, as well side of the pitch for the. So just remember, just sort of staying out for the touchline, thinking, is he going to blow? Is he blow? Yeah, he's blown. That's it. And then running <laughs> off, I'm off, sprinting off the pitch. But yeah, it's um, I think quite a few people um, it's their best ever. I mean, you've got all these other games that they beat Newcastle since then, which have been great games. Watched them all. Obviously, playing that one, that was um, to get to the final. But beating them was sort of so sweet, having sort of slept in or been in their shadow for quite a few years in the northeast. And yeah, there was there was so much riding on it, wasn't there? Yeah, we were sort of always struggling. Then we like five years down the road, or four years, whatever it was. Yeah, 
Very satisfying. Yeah, I think that, that season, as you say, was probably the first time in five or six years we actually played them in, in the league. Yeah, yeah, they obviously, yeah, they came down, obviously, and uh, we were obviously had still a good team. That's some good players still. Remember Mark McGee's and that up front. Yeah. Mickey Quinn. <laughs> Mickey Quinn, yeah, of course, yeah. Marty Quinn. Yeah, all good, all good lads. After the um, Newcastle game, we obviously went on to the the playoff final at Wembley against Swindon, which was a bit of a disappointment after all of the the excitement yeah. in St James's Park, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a difficult difficult day that one. Um, just trying to remember the game. It all seems to blur. <laughs> I remember, obviously, I remember coming out. I remember the match. I, I remember we gave a good account for self. Just couldn't really. Um, over the line it was one nil, wasn't it? We lost. It was one nil, yeah. I think, um, I think, but for Tony Norman, it could have been, it could have been a few more. It, um, yeah, the, good game, didn't he? I remember getting injured in the injuring myself thigh injuries like, the day before in training. I started the blue thigh pad on. I remember all the pictures of me got this blue, <laughs> but it was my, I think it was my right thigh. So I was playing left back, so it yeah. meant I wasn't really having to kick a lot of it. But yeah, it was a. A game of ifs and buts and maybes, but then two weeks later you're you're back in it. For me, yeah, must have been a pretty unusual way to get promoted. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's never happened again, is it? I don't think. <laughs> then the chairman getting us a medal uh, for it, uh, like a league <laughs> winners' medal. Like, yeah, which was a nice touch. I did um like Mr Murray, Bob Murray. Was, I thought he was um so he did a lot for the football club. Some people don't think so, but um I think over the years, yeah. When I was there, especially. Well, I think he'd d- during your time he he'd taken over from from Tom Cowie, hadn't he? And he'd yeah. seen a, quite a few few sort of not so good things happening off off the field. And you know, he was a regardless of what anybody says or thinks about him, he was a a Sunderland supporter who had exactly. his heart yes. in the right place. And yeah, self made man. Yeah, and uh, we used to have a beer together with all the players, really. Yeah, on the bus and whatever. Yeah, he'd sit around there and chat. And yeah, he's yeah, he's seen him for the first time for quite a few years. And yeah, still very um humble to me. Anyway, yeah, not like the big I am sort of thing. And <laughs> I think he was more interested in. I think he just sold the club. I think, and um, I think he was getting a bit of bad press and he did give a speech sort of sort of reiterating that you know his heart was in the right place and he sold it to he didn't want to sell it to anybody he wanted to sell it to the right people with the right things in mind well, I suppose he also that nowadays don't well, well, that's right <laughs> obviously we we got that promotion you know thanks to Swindon's um financial irregularities did, did you have any sort of inkling that that might happen or was that out the blue really thinking back I think there was talk of um, having to go to a tribunal or something or, or some sort of thing going on, FA disciplinary or football league. But um don't um, remember when the outcome was. Well, obviously, the outcome happened, but I don't remember sort of all sat by the radio or anything listening to the, <laughs> the announcement. That season that we went up into the top flight, you started the first few games. Yeah, I think it's Norwich away, I think, the first game. Yeah, I remember... Um, because it's um, the lower down the divisions you go, the more that you're you're pressed when you're um, as a fullback. Anyway, they don't need them. They won't even let the ball be thrown out. They've, sort of, they've got people <laughs> on you. And then as you get into the second and, and the first, they just let you have the ball. They just go drop back to the halfway line. And you, it's been quite a few years since I played in the first division. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it's a bit of a different sort of game plan because they didn't come and press you. Yeah, they just sort of sat back and thought, okay, you break us down. Another learning curve. Your Sunderland career was pretty much tailing off. You picked up an injury and then you went yeah. um, you went out to to Port Vale on loan as soon as you as soon as you got fit. Yeah, yeah, Port Vale was um, different. That was um, one of the places that I remember speaking to the manager on the phone and saying, "I'll see you tomorrow," and then putting the phone down and then not having a clue where the club was. <laughs> And then finding an atlas, and then still couldn't, still couldn't find it on the atlas, and yeah. frantically ringing round people, asking them where's Port Vale was, because yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no such place, is there? Port Vale, no, Burslem. That was a strange, um, 
that was John John Rudge. How did that come about? Was that just sort of getting some fitness after you'd been injured, or? Yeah, I think that was kind of the writing on the wall. Yeah. To a degree, totally different setup, totally different. Um, in the in the not a good way, <laughs> um, not what I was used to. Yeah. But yeah, you know, good group of lads. There's some good players there. Um, Robbie O, and there's a lad in midfield, Walker, I think. He yeah. was um. Went on to better things and another back as well. Neil Aspen. Yeah, there's a few um good players there. And yeah, I think that, I think it was just a, like I say, it was just winding down the, the time really at Sunderland. I think probably contract was probably coming up for yeah as well. But around that sort of time, Ruben, I think you, you got called up to play for Nigeria, didn't you? I think you were one of the first non-Nigerian-born players to play for Nigeria. So how did that come about and how was that experience? Well, that was just a random phone call from... I can't remember how they got my number, but because they said to me, um, we didn't think that you'd be interested in playing. And I said, well, what was that? They said, because we, we tried to get you to play for Nigeria and you were 18 yeah. in Southampton. And you were told that um, you weren't interested. <laughs> I was like, no, I never got had that conversation. But yeah, that was a, that was um, an experience, experiences, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I managed to play a few times few big games big tournaments and yeah I think I wasn't the first one to play in the African Nations Cup but I was the first one to play in the finals actual finals actual um, African Nations Cup final I think we finished third lost in the semi-final to Ghana yeah, so that was that was ninety two competition, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was some... Referee just threw the game, just sent the player off, and first like challenge, practically. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I think the refs got he got um, banned. I think after that game or something from Nations Cup matches. <laughs> so I, think, I don't know. Yeah, it was a bit of a. But that was that was some good players. That was um Garner with Tony the um Yaboa and. Nile Lamptey and Eddie Belly, uh, Belly Pelly. Yeah, yes, yeah. It was um pretty rampant around Europe at the time, Belgium or France, I think. Nigeria had some some good players as well, didn't it? Like Stephen Keshi and Fnidi George and. Oh yeah, yeah. JJ, JJ Akocha, yeah. There was, yeah. Um, God called Victor Pegba who went to play for went on to play for Monaco. For JJ was Akocha was just kind of breaking into the team yeah he was very gun, obviously flamboyant <laughs> and obviously you you, were, you played professionally for around 15 seasons or so but you, I don't think you ever managed a goal did you? officially no <laughs> <laughs> no what, what was the closest you came? Well, I think it was a Man United game at home in the FA Cup or sort of cup match and um, quite near the end I actually went up for a corner I remember Paul McGrath heading it off the line. I remember heading it and just watching it sailing in the corner, thinking, yeah. that's, a, that's in. And then that's it, that's it. It disappeared from nowhere. And it, I was like, no way. It's funny because I, I, I used to, I was looking back through the books and programmes and things and I actually played nearly every position that, in the reserves at Southampton. I remember playing centre forward, right wing, see right back, midfield, centre half. I didn't play in goal, but, um, <laughs> obviously. But um, yeah, nearly every position. But once I got in the team, first team under McManamy, it was kind of I wasn't allowed to be over the halfway line playing the sweeper position. So it kind of stifled my um, attacking. Attacking prowess. Prowess, yeah, yeah. It's always more worried about getting back to the yeah, position than actually getting forward. Well, especially when you're playing alongside Gary Bennett, because you never knew where he was going to be, did you? So. Well, this is it. Yeah, Ruben, when you when you look back on your your time at, at Sunderland and your, your time in the northeast, what what's your favourite memories? I used to I used to enjoy going into the town after a match, whether we won or lost, and I can remember getting off the bus, going through the town centre after we'd been beat, and just then just dropped me in the town centre, and the, some of the players used to think you've got to be mad, didn't you? <laughs> they kill you, you know. The, I was like, well, it's like. You can't just suspect to get pat on the back when you you got you got to put yourself in the firing line when you have a bad game as well as, as take all the pats on the back when you. So I was I was exactly the same. Win or lose, I'd still go out. Didn't bother yeah. me getting people coming up and having a moan and whatever. I thought, yeah, fine. I think they actually appreciated the fact that they could have a moan at 
some of the players and it ended up you end up in good terms and buy them a beer and they probably buy you a couple of beers back and then you get chatting and it's it kind of I think a lot of the new players when Norrie moved to bought in Durham yeah. and that's another reason why we didn't really have that sort of spirit because we're all miles away really they're miles away and to go out was a bit of a chore to come into town so it was like me and Benno we used to do all the sort of London local presentations because <laughs> none of the other players were all miles away sort of thing so um, I think um, I used to enjoy going out obviously when we won but you still got to go out when you lose and yeah, get out of your ears bent <laughs> Well, I think, you, I think you the fans, the fans appreciate that. Well, yeah, that's right. I think you, you earn a lot of respect by doing that, actually, don't you? Well, yeah, I just think you can't just be, can't just want to go out when you've done well and get patted on the back. You got to, um, it's a bit like when you're having a bad game and you still, still get the ball thrown at you. Haven't you? Still get, want the ball for the keeper. I mean, you've seen it a thousand times when players don't want the ball, don't want the keeper throwing the ball because. Because having a bad time, and each time we pick the ball up, I remember going back to a couple of the bad seasons with relegation zones, and when you get the ball, the full back, and you look up, all you see is asses. <laughs> <laughs> all you see is people running away from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, memories of the North East are all very positive for me. And I do go back when I can catch up. And the funny thing is, with the Sundance, which is different from Southampton to a lot of degrees is that even the young youngsters in London remember me, which is yeah. mad. And Dan Southampton, just <laughs> myself, oh, used to play with that Budo, and they're like, "Who? Oh, ain't got a clue." But up Southampton, it's like the the, the parents who uh, your age and my age used to watch. They know the kids know about the old players. Yeah, and yeah, it's um quite strange actually. Having lived down here and then wandering <laughs> around oblivious to every, could be anybody, sort of thing. And you go back to Sunday, and then it's kind of people that spot you. Know, it's like, you think, how the hell did you know who I was? <laughs> Especially now, like a few staying heavier and, and all that going on, different um, aged, and they still bloody remember. It's, it's crazy. The, the legend of Ruben Agbula lives on, eh? Nice, crazy, but yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> And Ruben, what what are your thoughts on the current situation at Sunderland? Well, it's difficult, not to to say what I think, but just difficult, sort of tricky position, really. They're trying to, obviously trying to get up, trying to get more money involved, so they, but they've got all this fair play rule thing going on there, haven't they, which is quite sort of, um don't think we really understand all that, unless you do. No, not too much um, at all. So you can't spend this, or you've got to get rid of players so you can bring players in, and it's, um I, I, I do remember the manager, Parkinson, he's from Southampton, and um he was sort of a couple of years beyond, behind me, but he's got a good track record, and I thought, well, if anybody can, can pull it off, he can, but it's just um been given the time, and it's, you haven't got time, have you? That's a difficult thing. No, it's sort of caught in between a bit of a rock and a hard place in that in that respect, aren't you? you, you yeah. You, kind of, you want to give the manager time to build something, but then you you need to get the club out of that. Got to be done. Yeah, it's got to be done this season. That's right. <laughs> no, that's a tricky one. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's um, it's not a something I'd relish. To be fair, I think it's yeah, it is kind of rock and a hard place. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Um. Well. Ruben, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you today. So thank you so much for your time. Um, no problem. As, as I said earlier, you were a regular fixture in all of the, the squads and teams I grew up watching. So it's been great to have a, a chat with you about all of that time in your, your time at Sunderland and your earlier career. So thank you so much for, for spending a, a bit of time with me. No problem. No problem. Any time. And, um, You've got you my number now, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I, can, I can pest you. <laughs> yeah. And um, have you got any a message that you'd like to send to the the Sunderland fans who are listening to this? Just keep the faith. Let's just keep the faith as you always do. And I think they, they get there in the end, sooner rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 